1: Welcome to Make It Clear. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host, and I'm delighted to be with you as often as you can be with us. I want you to know that all of our programs are really designed with you, the listener in mind. It's not just so much to give you information, although that's great. It's not just for inspiration to get you all excited, but it's also for transformation that your life will be different as a result of this broadcast. So I really pray that it'll be so. Now today, I am really excited to tell you about a dear friend of mine that has been involved in ministry for many years, often on the very front line of reaching people that are probably sometimes the most neglected. Let me introduce you to my friend. This is Dr. John Cook. He's the founder of Indigenous Ministries. Welcome to our program, John. Brother Stan, it's a privilege to
2: be here and also to be part of Making Clear Ministries uh, uh, radio program. Joy to be with you today.
1: You know, folks, I enjoy reading biographies because I really get a chance to either an autobiography or biography to hear the heart and soul of the person. But often that heart and soul of the person is framed in their earlier life. And that's why sometimes the first chapter kind of sets the tone of what really made this man or this woman the person that they are. So, John, tell us a little bit about your early life and then how you came to faith in Christ that will kind of lead us into what you are doing on the global stage today.
2: Well, appreciate that. I'm third generation working in missions. My grandparents were in India for 32 years, was teaching uh, at Bible college. His whole vision and goal was, uh, let's train the nationals so that the national can lead. And and Stan, that was back in 1935. There it seems to be some cutting edge thinking today, but in 1935, they were stunned to think. They've got us. Why do you need the the nationals to be trained? Well, it's interesting because after following uh, my uh, watching my grandfather, our family went uh, overseas and uh, we can talk about what happened. But we had some very, very difficult circumstances as a child when I was growing up as my dad was uh, working in the Philippines and then also in Sri Lanka. But then the Lord allowed those circumstances to take us back to Hawaii. That's where my dad was pastoring and then ultimately pastored in California. I went into the pastorate, told the Lord I would not work in missions just because of the trauma that I had experienced. And as uh, we finished out our career of raising our children, the Lord made it very clear that he wanted us to step into missions both my wife and I are from missional background families you asked when I came to Christ I can remember so clearly when I was five years of age we were in Sri Lanka we had so many problems difficulties and challenges and I knew full well that if I didn't trust Jesus as my personal savior that I was going to hell even at five I knew that there was a there was something there and I remember when I got down on my knees and I prayed and I asked the Lord to forgive me of my sin and my dad was on my right My mom was on my left, and I gave my heart to Christ. And I'm telling you what, Stan, it's not solved everything. We still have challenges and problems. But I tell you what, at least as I'm going through this life and challenges galore, I know that I've got the Lord with his hand on my shoulder, with his voice in my ear saying, this is the way, walk you in it. And, and I know that's your heart and you have lived your life so that people would come to not just a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know, that we've got a lot of people that call themselves Christians. But what we want to see is Christ followers, those that are engaged in knowing Christ and walking with him on a daily basis. And so that's a little bit of outline of what happened in my life in ministry.
1: Thank you. You know, I've been following your ministry for 15 years, and you truly are, by God's grace, the real deal. You're educated in Hawaii in Bible college there. Then you went into the pastorate, so deep in your chest is a heart that beats like a shepherd for people. And yet at the same time, while you had one eye looking on your current field, you had your other eye looking on the globe. And because of all of that, the Lord has really thrust you onto that global stage in particular areas, although you'll go anywhere to share the gospel with others. And folks, you're listening to Make It Clear. My name is Stan Pond, your host. But our very special guest is Dr. John Cook. He's the founder of Indigenous Ministries. And if you're anywhere near a computer or a phone or some type of device where you can get online, you might want to already go to his website and be going through it while we're having this wonderful conversation. I'd encourage you to go to indigenousministries.com That's indigenousministries.org. Because we're going to fast forward this now onto the field. Now, John and his team is working in India, Southeast Asia, and the Middle East. But for the folks that are kind of new, they're looking through the window and listening through the window on our conversation. They hear the word indigenous, but they don't know what that means. So what does indigenous mean?
2: It literally means that the national is reaching the national. As I shared a little bit about my background, we lived through some horrific stuff as I was a kid, and one of the reasons I didn't want to go into the field uh, as far as missions was because of those activities. When we work through a national in limited access countries, the people are more secure, they're accepted immediately. You know, I come from a missional family, so I'm not against American missionaries, but I will tell you, it costs so much to send a, a missionary from the U.S., overseas. We're talking $100,000 a year on average. And today, uh, Stan, you know, some of the commitment level isn't like, you know, my grandparents, uh, 32 years, gave their life to the Lord. The average stay of a U.S. missionary today is 18 months. And boy, when you look at the the cost of sending somebody versus the limited time, I mean, you're not going to make an impact into the lives of people until you've invested six to seven years. And the, the average, is people will come to know Jesus Christ as Savior through an American missionary on average after 10 years of digging it in and, and literally sticking their heart to the rail and saying, I will stay and serve. Whereas when we send a national, knows the language, knows the culture, knows the people, we see the first people to trust Jesus Christ as Savior as a direct result of them come to know Jesus within two weeks. And the cost is about 10%. And we as as America is trying to reach the world, it's going to take us over three and a half thousand years to reach the rest of the world for Christ if the population stays stagnant. By 2025, the global population is gonna be a 10 billion. And and we've gotta do something that is dramatic, innovative, And that's where Indigenous Ministries comes in uh, to reach the national through national pastors and national church leaders and ministries that uh, impact and uh, enhance the national church, especially where we focus is in limited access countries.
1: Well, I'm excited about your ministry. And of course, I'm excited about anyone who goes to the field and does their ministry. I'm also excited about those that are more nationals that might come to a U.S. Bible college or seminary, but nothing is better than to equip the nationals in their own backyard because who could speak the heart language better than a national? And yet, we all know that we still have to come alongside them to help them. But you do that right there, and then you release those to help teach that new generation. And I like what you have here. You're involved in missions, so you're going to train Fishers of men, you're going to train people how to reach their own people through your global church planning initiative, obviously through disciple making. You also deal with national pastors and women's conferences to really give them a leg up, but then you release them to reach their own culture. You have a Bible college and seminary training, particularly in India, but you also partner with others in country. And your wife really does a great job working with women because often we focus on the guys, but we forget about the women and how that they can stand strong and last long in their culture culture for Jesus Christ. I also like the fact that you're trying to teach others how to fish, and then you give those fish to the people that have a special need. And I want you to talk a little bit about whether India, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, however you want, but bring it now to what's going on over there, and why you have a very special project dealing with the sponsorship of children. Now, folks, I want you to listen to John as he opens this up, but I want to make sure that you don't just see indigenous ministries as only sponsoring children. That is only one very critical part, because the kids are in critical need, but that's only one part. That's one bite of the apple. That's one slice of the pie. But because it's so important, especially critically now— I've asked John if he would talk about what's going on in the other parts of the world and then why you are really passionate about people getting involved in children's sponsorship through. Indigenous Ministries.
2: Well, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share a little bit concerning this. Yes, we could talk about our ministry in church planting in the Philippines. We could talk about Grace Bible College. I was just talking with our principal just yesterday, and the students are doing a phenomenal job. Uh, We've seen over 200 trained, and 99.8% of all of our our graduates are still in full-time service to the Lord. That's a huge, huge record. But let's just jump over to the Middle East. So many people have given up on what is taking place in the Middle East, and and people just throw their hands up. We've dealt with ISIS. We've dealt with many of the crisis that is going on there. But I will tell you, God the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of people in the Middle East. When we look at reaching people for Christ, what is the one thing we all can agree on? And that is the precious love that we have for our children children. We've had families that have been displaced uh, because of ISIS. Their homes literally have been destroyed, bombed, collapsed, and so forth. So there's two things about this. Number one, uh, as far as the UNHCR, they're taking care of a lot of people in refugee camps. But Stan, the focus The people that are working in UNHCR in the Middle East are Muslim, and they focus on caring only for Muslims. And the Christians are second-class citizens, and they literally are not able to get the help and the resources that are available. So what we do is, number one, when we talk about a Christian background, Stan, you and I both know full well, they may have a, a name Christian but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So we step in with our national evangelical churches. We work through them in Iraq. We work through them in Egypt. We've done this also in Aleppo, uh, in Syria as we uh, reach out through the church, they step in, they see families in crisis. They step in with uh, help with a food bag that will help them get through the month. And then that church has a right to come back in, minister, train, and disciple these families. And last year alone, we saw 226 families, 262 people trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, We've had people from Syria make the statement. They said, we did not know where we were going to see the Lord uh, work and encourage us. But when indigenous ministries stepped in and the church stepped in, we found ourselves cared for. And that's when we had trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. So we saw a little church of about 30 people grow to well over 200. So as we work through the national church, we strengthen the national church, give them and the ability to respond to the needs and then be able to bring those people in and disciple them and lead them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and deepen them in their personal walks with the Lord.
1: I really like what you were so clearly saying, you know, when you read about what's happening over in the Middle East and other parts of the world, and maybe here, it's like they give up one religion and they move into another religion. The idea is they're giving up Islam, but now they're, they're uh, going into the Christian religion, and that's not what you're saying. What you're saying is, is that they are now turning from whatever belief system they have in their own culture, but they're turning to Jesus Christ in a relationship with him by placing their faith alone in Christ. And then the byproduct of that is they become a born-again believer, thus a Christian, but they go through the door of trusting Christ, not just joining a a religion or a church or a movement, but Jesus Christ.
2: There was a man, a friend of mine, who's pastor in Kirkuk in Iraq, Uh, when ISIS took... The man literally walked about 75 miles, came into Kirkuk, and our pastor went up and said, "Hey, come! I've got food, I've got water, I've got anything you need. You've got your family and so forth." He says, "Why do you help me? I'm a Muslim. You're a Christian." He said, "Because Jesus said." He says, "I'm I'm supposed to hate you. I'm supposed to kill you." He said, "Kill me tomorrow. Let me show you Jesus Christ, and then you could decide." whether Islam is the way or Christianity is the way. He came in and they were cared for, they were loved, they were prayed for, and so forth. Pastor Stan, it's not about joining a church. This man saw the bankruptcy of Islam. Now, let me tell you something. I love Muslims. In fact, Paul the Apostle made it so clear when he said, My heart's desire and prayer for Israel, and I'm going to say my heart's desire and prayer for Islam, the people of Islam, is that they might know Jesus, for they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now, immediately what I just said would probably make some Muslims very upset at me. But the thing is, Jesus Christ taught us to love our enemies, to care for our enemies, and to encourage and meet the needs of our enemies. This man that I just shared with you is now an elder in his church. He said, when I was in Islam, there was nothing but darkness. I had no hope. Allah was angry with me all the time. And when you take a look at a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it says, for God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and I'll tell you this there are more muslims that have rejected islam because of what islam is and they've come to a personal relationship with jesus christ because what christianity is and that's the difference between being simply a muslim and a christian or a Christ follower. And there's a huge difference.
1: I am so glad that you did what our moniker says, make it clear. And I want our listeners to know that as well, that it's about placing your faith in Jesus Christ. In case you just tuned in, you're listening to Make It Clear. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host of Make It Clear and the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Today on our program, we have Dr. John Cook, he is the founder of Indigenous Ministries. And I'd encourage you to go to his website, indigenousministries.org. Now, he's not the new kid on the block. He's been ministering there in the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and India for years. So he knows that which he is speaking, and he's been on the cutting edge in some very dangerous areas, not just for celebrity reasons, not at all, not just because he was on a tourist trip, but he really has a burden to reach these people for Christ. But he knows that he can't do that by himself. So he has been working in an indigenous way with the people there in those countries. Now, again, you're listening to John Cook. He's our guest today. And you could go to his website, indigenousministries.org. But we have just a few more minutes left of our program. And so, John, I want to kind of shift focus on the children, the refugee children there that have special needs. So tell us about the culture and the problems and the issues with these children and what they're going through and then why. why you are partnering with uh, people there to help those children doing practical things so they can have a decent life even, but then to have eternal life. So speak to that, John. Will you do that, sir?
2: Uh, One of the things that we started seeing as we uh, invested several million dollars into helping with relief during the time when ISIS had literally taken half of Syria and half of Iraq, we started seeing the need of the children. And so instead of us coming in and just giving blankets or or bedding or uh, things like that, we said, you know, we want to really do something that would help them each and every day. And so we started a, a child, sponsorship through a program through the church. And, and I'm going to say it on this side, it answers the question, what about the Middle East? Is there any hope? And I'm going to tell you, the Middle East is like a diamond on a black background when you see people coming to faith as a result of people loving them. And we have the ability to love them to Christ with this child sponsorship program. Uh, One of the videos that we have up on our website is the story of Yusuf and Dunya. Their parents uh, and they were in a minivan and they were driving along. ISIS came along and literally shot up their car. The mother had the children with her in the second seat of their little minivan. She grabbed the children, covered them, and when she was shot, she literally rolled over onto the children held them, covered them. And so when ISIS looked into the car, all they saw was the dead people that they had produced. They didn't realize that little Yusuf and Dunya were still alive underneath their mother's body. Two days later, Stan, those uh, children were discovered still alive under the mother's body. They did not move. They were just scared to death. We got those children into their uncle's place in Iraq, and we started ministering to them caring for them and so forth. Yusuf made the statement I don't want to go to school, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't I just want to be in my room because that's the only place that is safe. Little Yusuf today is in school. He's a part of our Sunday school program. His family is is being encouraged in discipleship each and every week through the church and they both are getting through, getting over that trauma, because, I mean, that'll be with them for the rest of their lives. But there's hope. That's what we do as far as the child sponsorships. We watch those two little children go from literal skeletons, the way we say in England, uh, the pink of health. They're playing, they're interacting. That's one of those victory stories. Uh, Another story that we saw, there was a woman whose husband had been beheaded in Mosul. She uh, fled uh, got her children out she got uh, to another city and she just prayed and she said god how am i supposed to do this my husband is dead i have these children i have no money i have no job what do i do the very next morning at 8:30 in the morning she met one of our staff members in that city and she started sharing with them and they said well, of course we'll put you in our program the woman literally started laughing and hugging and then she sat down and broke down because she realized that there were people that actually cared. And Aww. this is how we can help people. And today, that woman is now helping and serving as a volunteer in our ministry. And those two children, there's a picture coming out in our, on our next newsletter. The transformation, when you take care of you, of kids... And whether they're Muslim or whether they're Christian, we love them in Jesus' name. And when we have the privilege of of doing something physically, it also gives us the opportunity of doing something spiritually as well.
1: All right, if we have a listener that would like to help you do this, and they want to sponsor a child, we have about two minutes left. And so would you tell them now what they get, when they sponsor a child and then how to sponsor that child. And I'm sorry, but you only have two minutes to do that (laughs) and they can go to your website as well to find out how to do that.
2: Uh, first of all, if you want to te- uh, sponsor a child, text 66866. That'll take you right to uh, our website, and you you can sign up right there, $39 a month. What that does is it gives a family the ability to have food for a month. We've just started our program uh, back in Baghdad, and we have, uh, at this particular level, uh, we've got 224 children that need Help that needs sponsorships. So if you want to get on the website, it's indigenousministries.org, and you can check out uh, all of our uh, information there. And then go to the child sponsorships, you can do it there. But if you want to just do it direct, 66866. Uh, And then text sponsor in the message line, and it'll take you right to the website to sponsor a child. And you'll get a chance to hear from your child. You can send letters to your child, send special Christmas gift. We have a Christmas party that is taking place on Friday, both in Baghdad and in northern Iraq, with our 700 children in just Iraq alone. And it's going to be exciting to see what the Lord does in ministry to these precious children.
1: Well, folks, I want you to know that for just $39 a month, which is really basically nothing, that's just a tad more than a dollar a day, these kids will get nutritious food, medical attention. They will be totally loved, and they'll have this sense of belonging with someone who cares. They will hear the clear gospel presentation, not just give them something to do to feel good about God, but actually the message of salvation. They will be lovingly cared for and encouraged, but especially they'll be educated and they'll be connected to a local staff and you too will have contact with them as well. So again, let me encourage you to go to indigenousministries.org, go to the child sponsorship. And when you do, all the information is on there and you could literally change a life. And when you change a life, you can reach a country. So let me encourage you to do that. Dr. John Cook, John, I want to thank you so much for being with us. And you really opened up our eyes about what we can do to reach people for Christ. And we're so excited for what you're doing. And I pray that our listeners want to get behind your ministry to see what other things they can do to help support you, to be on your team to reach others for Christ, whether it's in India, the Middle East, or the Philippines, wherever you're serving the Lord. So, John, thank you for being with us.
2: Well, thank you so much, Stan. What a joy, privilege to be part of Make It Clear Ministries and uh, pray that you guys thrive. And may the Lord continue to bless each and every one of you. You think about the fact, Emmanuel, Jesus has come. Literally, that means God with us in Arabic is Allahu amana. Jesus came to be the light of our world. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, John. And for those of you who are listening, you're listening to Make It Clear. My name is Stan Pons. I'm your host and the president of Florida Bible College. And if you've enjoyed today's program and you want to partner with us and our ministry of reaching out to others, then just go to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org or floridabiblecollege.com. Thank you. And until next time, make it clear.